Welcome to the Eerie First Podcast, the weekly message series featuring Pastor Nicole Schreiber. Today we have a special guest. Silvio Scavella is a member of our Eerie First family and is shared here in the past. Today, Silvio will be bringing a special word for all believers as we face the challenge of how to best interact with today's culture. Can we change the culture around us? Or do we need to change ourselves to be better equipped to face it? So let's get started. Here's Silvio. It is a real honor to be here and to share this message with you. I want to thank Pastor Nicole for giving me uh, this great opportunity. I pray that uh, as this message, as I was preparing, changed a lot of things in my life, it would be able to do the same for you, that the Holy Spirit would really touch our hearts and mind today and give us a great opportunity to walk out of here a little bit different than the way we walked in. You know, we struggle with facing the situations every day from the news to the people to Christians, non-Christian, this battle that we have that we call it a cultural war. Well, it's really not a cultural war. It's a spiritual war. That's what we have to realize. The people out there are not our enemy. Satan is our enemy. He is the one who is really behind all these schemes and all this division that he creates in different areas. If you watch the news, you'll go crazy. You start thinking, oh my God, the end of the world is coming. Why is this coming? And it's a good thing because Jesus is coming back. But we don't want to be fearful. So this morning, more than anything else, I don't want to think, how can we change the world? Because God is the one who can change the world. I want to talk about how we can change us so that we can live in a culture that we live in without thinking that we are part of that culture, the ungodly culture. By the way, the word culture comes from cultura, which means to cultivate. That was an easy one for me because it comes from Latin and being Italian and cultura is easy to say and easy to understand. So really, what is it we are cultivating? See, Christians are supposed to cultivate godliness. Well, guess what? The ungodly, the one that doesn't believe in God, doesn't want to trust in God yet, I want to say yet because we need to pray for them, they're going to cultivate ungodliness. So that's where we really come and butt heads. So today, first I want to share something with you that... uh, has affected me to even put together this message. I have some family members that we always have butted heads. If you know me, I can be very feisty. I can be very argumentative. I have a lot of opinions. And you know what? Among Christians, that's not too bad as long as you're talking about Christianity. But when you go on outside and you start arguing with the world, it can backfire on you. And here's what I mean by this. I always argued about this godliness and non-godliness with family members that really don't believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I can tell you that in my whole lifetime, the Lord has never used my arguments or even my victories over some 
conversation that we had to bring someone to the Lord. He's never done that. But I have seen people change because of the witness that we can give about who the Lord is in us. And this little story that I want to give you, it's not a story, it's a true story. This just happened oh, maybe about seven months ago. We finally got together with this family members again. It was at my wife's brother's house. And uh, I had to really pray because I had not gone to these reunions because I know the way I am. And it would have caused a lot of issues. I had missed two or three years of these reunions. My wife went, but I didn't go because I really felt I'm going to make it worse than what it is. Until the Lord really spoke to me and I started praying and I said, I'm going this year, and God's going to guide me to do the right thing. So as I went there, here's what happened. I just shared with them the love of Jesus in my heart, in my life. And they just start crying. This time they were crying for joy instead of crying because I was attacking them. My brother-in-law, I didn't know this, my brother-in-law sees me about, Four or five hours later, he had not seen me. He had been with them. And he said, Silvio, you scared the heck out of me. He said, they came to me, and they said, Silvio made us cry. And I thought, oh, no, what did he say to them now? He goes, and then they shared what you said to them that happened in your life and the way you were and the way Jesus changed you. So I want to encourage us today that even though we have responsibility, we have responsibility to vote, we have responsibility to pray, we have responsibility to be godly, we're not going to win by attacking people. We're not going to win by putting people down. We're going to win by praying for them and being a witness to them. These last five or six weeks, I had prepared this for a while and I had shared with Pastor Nicole about it, what was on my heart. And she said, I'm going to see when there is a, an opportunity for you to share. And you know what? This could have been a better time. It's just the way the Lord works things out. Two things happened. That decision yesterday and also what the pastors have taught in the last five or six weeks that goes really hand in hand with what I'm talking about. Those warning that Jesus gave us in Revelation to the churches is really the answer, part of the answer, on how we can live in an ungodly culture. And I want to review just a few to remind us what the Lord said. If you remember, the first one was what? You missing the boat because you lost your first love. So it's a great warning to us to make sure that we love Jesus. And I remember, I remember the way I loved Jesus when he first saved my life. I could not thank him enough. I could not speak enough about him and what he did. And guess what? When we read that scripture, it reminds me that maybe I cooled down a little bit in my love for him. So that's a great warning for us. You want to stay godly in a godly culture? Love Jesus. Be on fire for him just the same way you were on the day that he saved you, in those days when he changed your heart. Then, he, of course, he gives us other warning. Not to be afraid to be, 
not to be rich. It says, don't be concerned about being rich because you are rich in me. You have me. You have all the wealth in the world, basically, by just having me. Then, of course, it goes on by saying not to give in to false doctrines, to the spirit of Jezebel, which can bring us to sexual immorality. These are all warning to us. You know, the Bible was written for the believer. The unbeliever does not read the Bible. So until they read it, it's for us. So this warning is not for my cousin that doesn't believe in God. It will be once he starts reading it. But it is for us. So God says, be careful that you don't get sucked in into doctrines that are not godly doctrines. Then it goes on to the church of Sardis. He says, most of you think that you are spiritually alive, but you are dead. Repent, or only basically a few of you will survive. That's a scary thing, isn't it? He says, unless you repent, only the ones that are spiritually alive will survive. And the last one that he warns, it's the church of Laodicea. And he tells them, this is, this is probably the worst warning that you could give to a church. It, it, it says to them that you are lukewarm. And so they, they didn't realize that they were wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. We need to consider all these warnings and say, do I fit in in any of those areas? Do I need to repent? Do I need to be careful that Satan has not sucked me in into some of those areas and I'm not even aware of it? So I want to look today and not how we can change the world by arguing with them. I want to look today at us and what we can do to live in an ungodly culture. And by the way, in 2 Timothy, he warns us the worst, worst times are yet to come. So it's not like we can pray better times. It's part of God's plan. That's what's going to happen. So as worst times come, what do we do with them? Well, if we're not prepared, we're not strong, we are going to fall apart. <clears throat> and godliness, it's not just what we're experiencing today. You know, we think that this sin, if we get rid of this sin, we, we got this thing covered. If we get rid of this other sin, we got this wrapped up. It's not. Ungodliness, it's not a certain sin that it's happening now. It is a battle of Satan convincing people to go against godliness. It started right from the beginning. <clears throat> you know, Look at Cain and Abel. One wanted to serve God, the other one didn't. So ungodliness, meaning not want to do what God wants you to do, it started right at the beginning. It isn't something that we're experiencing today that nobody else has experienced before. It is actually happening all the time through Bible history. <laughs> Instead of looking at what and what's prevalent in the world that we want to change, let's look to see how we need to be in order to uh, withstand all the attacks of the enemy. 
You know, we have so many examples in the Bible. And what I wanted to do really was, I went in and I thought to myself, let me look in the Bible and see how do these people dealt with the culture they lived in. Let me tell you, there's a lot of them. There's a lot of them that were in worse shape than we are today. In a sense, the pressure was even worse than we are. Some of these examples are, uh, I have a list here. Well, let me give you a few. Noah, Lot, Joseph, Jonah, Samson, Daniel, Nehemiah, Esther. Some of the saints of the New Testament, some of the martyrs of the New Testament. Guess what? They all were pressured by the culture to, li- to live by the way the majority lives. By the way, the majority does not rule with God. God does not say, okay, the majority is doing this, so I'm going to change. We have an unchanging God. The majority does not rule. So these people always stood for what was right, always stood for what was godly. I want to look at four of these people that they can be a good example and maybe a not so good example on how to live in an ungodly culture. So the people that, the four men that I want to choose are these. Lot, Samson, Joseph, and Daniel. These are the four men that I want to look and say, how did they live in their ungodly culture? These were godly men, like we, I believe we were all here this morning. They were trying to serve God, but they were definitely different. Two of them were different from the other two on how they handle the pressure of the culture. So I want us to look at these four guys and say, okay, how do I want to be? Interesting enough, the two older ones didn't do so well, and the two younger ones did pretty well. So maybe it's a, it's a great uh, lesson to us that young people can have it together, and older people at times do not. So let's look first of all at uh, Lot and Samson. We know that none of those four men were perfect in their ways, and again, they were trying to serve God. And we think that it is really, really hard to serve again in the world we live in. Well, once we look at these men, we're going to see that they had it a lot tougher than we do today. Lot and Samson, somehow they got sucked in to live like the majority of the people lived at the time. They got entangled in the world that they were living in. And sad enough, they had to pay a price. They paid a hard price for compromising with the way that the world was. Let's look first at Lot. Lot, I'm not going to go into it because we could be here two days talking about Lot and what he did or didn't do or Samson or the other one. So uh, if you don't know the story, you're going to have to go in the Word of God and find out more depth. But we know that Lot lived in Sodom, okay? And uh, his story was that basically his children, his wife, they must have compromised with the way the world was because we know by their action that they, uh, in what they did. We know that uh, the wife ended up becoming a pillar of salt because she didn't want to live the world that she lived in. 
And we know that the daughters committed sexual immorality, probably being influenced by the way the world was around them at the time. We also know one thing. The choice the lot made at the time was based on, here's what he said, it was a more profitable place to live in. When him and Abraham had to choose a land to live in, Lot only looked at what was a better place for him to be profitable in. So my question to us today is this. Do some of us make choices today that for financial gains could jeopardize our godliness? Because that's exactly what happened to Lot. It started with that. He saw this is a good place for my family to be financially. He didn't think about spiritually, is this a good place for me to be? He thought financially, is this a good place for me to be? So that's a good warning to us. Let's go to Samson. Samson, can you imagine that? He was picked to be the leader of Israel. He was picked to be the judge in time to lead the Israelites. <laughs> what does he do? He gets sucked into lay with a prostitute, marry an enemy of God and an enemy of Israel, a Philistine. We know that God said to be separated from those people. So what does he do? He marries one. Then he keeps on going and he wants to be like them. He competes with them. He tries to outdo them. He, will, he got sucked in into that culture that by the time he got done, he paid a hard price to come back to what Jesus created, I should say God, God created them to be. But he paid such a hard price that he paid with his life in order to be restored in the way that God had created them to be. But it wasn't just him. His family paid the price. Israel paid the price because of he wanted to be what the world was like. He was influenced by them. He went by his feelings. Boy, feelings can really take us in the wrong place. I remember saying to my kids, I think they're going to be here at the second service. Maybe I won't mention that one. But I used to say to them, you know, we got to cut the grass. They used to help around the house. And they say, well, I don't feel like it right now. And my answer was always, if I go by feelings, you guys won't be eating because a lot of times I don't feel like going to work. But we just do what is right to do, even though our feelings take us some other place. Well, Samson went by his feelings. But now I want to look at the other two guys, which are a great example to us. These are two young men. And uh, But before that, I, I want to mention something else that is important to us. We think to ourselves, only if we didn't live under this pressure, if only if we didn't live under the, this culture that it tries to sway, it tries to tempt us to go a different way. Well, you know, Jesus really addresses that well. And if we could look at John 7, uh, 17, 15, and it's on uh, the screen right now. Thank you. You guys are really on top of me. It says, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. So Jesus is interceding, is praying for us, not that we will leave this world, 
But then we will stay in this world in a godly way. You know why? He says in his word, he wants us to be the light and the salt of the world. That's why we're here. He doesn't want to take us out. He says, but I'm praying for you. I'm interceding for you that the enemy will not have you. So what a great promise that God gives us, that he will protect us. Now let's look at what young Daniel and Joseph did, these great examples. Their main objective, and this is where all comes down to this morning, it was not to fight against the ungodly, but it was to serve God under an ungodly culture, influence, and an ungodly government. And we're going to see by some of the things that they say. Joseph did not give in to the pressure of wealth, power, that, could have, that he could have gained through sexual immorality because he didn't want to sin against his God. He loved God more than those things. Hear what Joseph says when tempted by Potiphar's wife. If we, could t- if we could put up on a screen, please, Genesis 39.9. It says, no one is greater in the house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? Now, isn't it interesting that Joseph didn't say, you're really a bad person. You know, I can't believe. He didn't say to part of a wife how bad you are. You know what he said? He just said what he could not do. He didn't put it down. He didn't say, I can't believe that you would cheat on your husband. I can't believe that you're trying to do this to me. What kind of a person are you? See, that's what we usually like to tell people. But instead, he said, Here's why I don't do this. First of all, your husband treated me well. He put me on top. So I respect him. But more than anything else, what does it say there? He didn't want to sin against his God. He was concerned about his relationship with the Lord. He was concerned about his spirituality. That's what we need to be concerned about today. Not the way the world acts. We need to pray for them. We need to be interceding. We need to be on our knees a lot more than what we are. But we need to be concerned what our actions are. We need to examine those warnings given to the seven churches. Are we falling into those temptations? Are we falling into those traps that the enemy puts before us all the time? Now let's look at Daniel. Very similar. Very similar story in different ways. He did not bend to the world's ways, even though he was threatened to be eaten alive by lions or being burned alive in a furnace. He believed and loved God to the point of being killed for his belief. Then he also believed that God would show favor toward them if he was trying to honor God with his life. God touched the heart of Daniel's enemy to the point that one of them is willing to risk his life to accommodate Daniel. Now, can you imagine that? If we show 
Jesus in our hearts, Jesus in our lives, the enemy will even try to accommodate our ways. Believe it or not, God can do those miracles. He did it for Daniel. Thank you. Here's in Daniel 1 and verse 8 through 10. Here's what Daniel says to the guy. He asked for a favor that you would think it's going against what the king wants to do. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. Now God has caused the official to show favor and compassion to Daniel. <clears throat> but the official told Daniel, I am afraid of my lord the king who has assigned your food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than the other young men your age? The king will then have my head because of you. Can you imagine? This guy is saying, I could lose my life trying to let you not defile yours. Isn't it something that this man would accommodate this guy? But again, look what Daniel said. Daniel didn't say, you are honoring pagan gods. You yourself are a pagan. I'm not a pagan. I would never bend down to your God. I would he did not accuse them of being ungodly even. What did he say? He said, this is something that I cannot do. Similar to Joseph. He's saying, I need to honor God with my life. And I will do whatever even to lose my life in order to honor God. So, listening to these two stories, it should really give us a great encouragement in the way that we need to be, in the way that Jesus calls us to be, that we are not the only ones, okay, that are under pressure. Remember what I said, from Cain and Abel till now, the godly has been at war with the ungodly. Satan has been at war with God since he rebelled against them. Not even since Adam and Eve were created. It was even before that. Since he rebelled, he's been at war with God. One side represents God. One side without even knowing. I really believe that. Most people don't even know. They are trying to do what in their heart thing is the good thing to do. But guess what? They're being used by Satan. The same way that Satan can deceive us to do crazy things. So you say to yourself, why do we give in? The answer is it's written right there. And it's so important for us to understand that. We are pressured and deceived by the world that we live in when we listen and participate more in the things of the world than we listen to the promises and truths of God. I want to read that to you again. We are pressured and deceived by the world that we live in when we listen and participate more in the things of the world than we listen to the promises and truths of God. That is the reality that we face. Where do we spend our time? Let me tell you, when I prepare for Sunday school, when I prepare for my group, when I prepare for something like this, 
for some reason, and I can tell you what the reason is, I'm more spiritual than when I'm not preparing for anything. I thank the Lord that I'm involved in ministry because it keeps me close to him. So this is what that says. The more we are in the world, the more we are enticed to be like them. The more we are with Jesus, we, the more we are in the word of God, the more we are in praise and worship, the more we are in church when the church is open, the stronger we will be to fight the schemes of the enemy. And, you know, we can say, oh, you don't understand. And we all have reasons why we're so pressured. You know, I, we could find a million reasons. They're all different one from another. But I love the way God really tells us that we're all the same. We're not different than anybody else. I'm sorry, your pressure, I may look at it and say, that's not a real pressure. You may look at mine and say, you call that a temptation? But guess what? It's all similar. If we could turn to Matthew 26, 41. First, here's the warning about temptation. In Matthew 26, 41, it says, Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So God tells us here, and I'm sure you heard many sermons on this, that you will be tempted. There's no question about it. We're probably tempted every day. <clears throat> but he tells us what to do to withstand this temptation. He tells us to do what? To pray. He says, pray. Talk to me. That's what he's saying. Stay with me. Be in my presence. That's what prayer is. It's communicating with God all the time. What does Paul say? Pray without ceasing. That's an interesting phrase, isn't it? You think you can get on your knees and pray for 24 hours a day? That's what it sounds like, doesn't it? Pray without stopping. You know, you know what Paul is saying? Be in communion with God 24 hours a day. That's what he's saying. That's what prayer is. So the Lord is saying, be sure that you are attached to me. You're in communion with me so that you, would, you, would, you can withstand temptation. And then if we could turn to 1 Corinthians 10, 13. God doesn't just give us the warning. He also gives us the promises how we can overcome these warnings that he gives us when those issues come. And in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, it says, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. So what a great promise. God says, you know what? Your temptation is not different than any other one's temptation. Don't go standing and say, but you don't know what I'm going through. Because I can tell you, temptations are all similar. In different ways, they're all similar. But then after he warns us that nobody is worse than anybody else and being tempted, he says, but you know what I will do for you? I will not let the enemy tempt you beyond what you can take. I know what you can take. And I'm going to let him do that. Remember the story of Job? What did he say to the enemy? You can do this, but you cannot do that. And I believe he does that in our lives. He says, oh, yeah, you can do that because I know he or she is strong enough to withstand that, that temptation. And then he also says, I provide a way out. You don't even have to do it. 
I'll do it for you if you trust me. So what a great promise that God gives us. So I hope that we see that being a child of God, we can be entangled in the ways of the world. You know, we saw the way Lot and Samson ended up. I really believe that at the end, they were both redeemed. There's no question in my mind because they really wanted to serve God. They just fell into the traps. And that's my concern today, that we don't fall into those gray areas of the world. You know, by the way, God doesn't believe in gray areas because most of us, when we go, he's black and white. There's no question about it. Because when we go into those gray, gray areas, somehow we end up in the dark shade of the gray. We never see what side of the light gray we can stay. We push the envelope until we can get to the darker area of the, of, of the gray. So Satan will entice us to do what is wrong. Many times we even deceive ourselves to think that we are more merciful, we are more loving, we are more gracious than God because the way we treat sinners. By the way, that, that, that's a temptation in itself. And like a friend of mine says often, we think that we're smart, we become smarter than God, you know, without realizing. That's what we do. We think we can be more merciful than God. Well, guess what? The biggest attribute of God is he is love. He is love. We are not love. we got to work to love. But the enemy can put in our head that we can be more merciful we can, because we're nice to sinners. God loves the sinners. He's not nice to sinners. He loves the sinner. And I hope that we will love the same way that he loves them. Our weapons to fight prayer. So how do we stay in an ungodly culture and be able to stay godly? Well, it's easy. A strong daily relationship with Jesus. It's easy to say how to do, I should say, because it's easy for me to read it, but it's hard for us to practice those things. But here it is. A strong daily relationship with Jesus. To know his words so that we know the truth. And to use the spiritual weapons of worship and prayer to fight deception and temptation and to be spiritually strengthened by it. These are basic things that we need to do in order to withstand the temptations of being sucked in by the culture the way Lot and Samson got sucked in. It's to stay in a close relationship with God in every way and know the truths that he presents to us in his word. I want to end this with this challenge to us. If God was writing a life story in the Bible about living in an ungodly culture, do we want our story to read like the story of Lot and Samson? Or we would like to be associated with the story of Joseph and Daniel? Like these four men, our choices will determine our stories. So the choices we make every day will determine our stories. God writes our story every day. I personally want to be 
with Joseph and Daniel's story. Let me pray for us. I want to end here with a prayer. Jesus, you have given us so many promises that you should encourage us that we can be a Joseph or a Daniel. You tell us that you will never leave us or forsake us. You tell us that you live in us. You tell us that we can do all things through you. So today, Lord, set us apart that we may be the light of the world and not become participants of the darkness of our godly culture. Let our everyday living be a good example to our families and to the world. Let our story be told that we are believers that love God more than anything else. As things come near to your second coming and your word tells us of the ungodliness that we will encounter at the time, help us through your Holy Spirit to stay faithful to you no matter what we face. May your blessing and presence be on each one of us as we continue to truly serve you. Amen and amen. Have a great Sunday. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Erie First Podcast. We'd love it if you would rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. You can follow Erie First on Facebook or Instagram or visit eriefirst.org for all our latest news, announcements, and information. Thanks again for joining us. We'll see you next time.